It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhips dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the AmeriChicks. Yes, uh, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation and thrilled today, the day before Independence Day, uh, to be talking with Stan Everett. Uh, he is an expert on the Declaration of Independence. He's a real estate developer uh, up in northern Colorado. It's a, a family business. They've been in business for a long time. And he is the founder of something called The Legacy Project. Uh, and it's a project for community leaders. We'll talk to him about that in, uh, in just a moment. But first of all, Stan Everett, welcome to the AmeriChicks. Well, thank you, Kim. Appreciate being here. Well, it's great to have you on the line. We we met at the uh, the flagship meeting of the Fort Collins Vino and Veritas, and uh, just really excited to have you on the air to talk about the de- declaration. But what did you think about Vino and Veritas? Oh, it's great, fun, uh, good food, obviously, at Ginger and Baker. And I thought the speaker Tom was just fantastic. Uh, such depth and. Uh, just creative way of presenting things. He did the Federalist Papers, as you know, and that's one of my favorites, and he did an excellent job. Well, and if people want more information about Vino and Veritas, Fort Collins, Centennial, or Castle Rock, they can email me at americhicks.com forward slash Kim, or you can also sign up via the website americhicks.com. But let's go ahead and, and jump into this. First of all, Stan Everett, you have created this legacy project, which I find absolutely fascinating. Explain to my listeners what it is and, and why you came up with it. Well, it started uh, with another friend of mine. Uh, We're in our 60s, and in our late 50s, early 60s, uh, we found ourselves sitting at the coffee shop complaining about everything and offering opinions that really, if everybody would just listen to what we had to say, everything (laughs) would be just fine. We finally, uh, after about 20 years of this same drill, looked each other in the eye and said, so what are we going to do about this? All we're doing is sitting around and complaining. And we've mastered that, but we need to do something. And so what we did is we created a program. It's a uh, six-month program. starts in September, ends in March, once-a-month meetings. And we bring leaders in the community intergenerational. So we have people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way really up to the mid to late 70s, and they meet in small groups to discuss early American history, particularly the founding era, and we go through the Declaration, we go through American form of government, American economic systems, and then we do uh, some uh, other meetings and lessons. Each lesson has a video. And then we have a small group, like I say, of about six people led by a trained leader. And we go around the table and we talk about these things. And it's just really fascinating. And it's kind of eye-opening for a 75-year-old person 
to be sitting at the table with a 25-year-old and talking about the words of the Declaration of Independence and how their perspective on those words might be the same, but usually it's a little different just because of their background and experience. So we do these six lessons, and uh, it's really a great time, and it really starts to reawaken the American exceptionalism in the, the minds and the hearts of uh, the participants. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds great. How many years have you been doing this again? We start our eighth year. Uh, we've gone through uh, just over 400 people, um, and so it's been great success. We see a lot of people that come out of this that go into politics, our uh, local state senator, uh, went through leadership program of the Rockies in Denver and then went through the Legacy Project and then he was inspired by both to then run for office and he is now a senator from the Loveland area. Yes, and he's doing so a fine had, job. Yeah, so we've had some great results. Okay, and uh, how long are the meetings? Well, meetings are an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, we usually provide lunch, uh, the leader does. And we start at 11 and we finish at a quarter to one so that the guys and the participants can get back to work. But it's always held at an office environment and uh, it's over breakfast, sometimes at seven to quarter till nine. Uh, so it doesn't really cut into the work day. Like I say, it's once a month and uh, it's a great intellectual exercise uh, for most of the people. And we hear all the time that this is an opportunity to meet people that they would never have met outside of the program. That is really fantastic. And I'm thinking about, I mean, this is basically 14 hours of somebody's time over a period of six months. And uh, I think we owe it to ourselves to make sure that we understand these principles. So congratulations to you on the, the Legacy Project. If people would want more information about it, how, how could they find out about it? Well, we have an email. Um, we aren't a nonprofit. We're not a organization in the regular sense, but uh, our email is legacyproject at urlegacy.com. And I would receive those emails and be happy to uh, respond with some information if people are interested. Okay, well, fantastic. And one, once more, what is that email? Legacyproject at urlegacy.com. Okay. Y O U A R E A. Uh, Legacy.com. Well, fantastic. Congratulations to such a wonderful project. So let's go on over to the Declaration of Independence. Uh, that Great. is something that you guys, you, you spend a lot of time on. And uh, why do you think it's so special? Well, the, the creation of the American Republic is entirely grounded in the principles articulated in the Declaration of Independence. Even though most people consider it, well, this is a declaration of war to the uh, King George uh, and the uh, Parliament in England. In fact, it's really a completely different type of a document than has ever been seen throughout history. And then to consider the fulfillment of the declaration by winning the war, creating and ordering these uh, principles through a constitution and through a free market economic system, uh, and then the success of the United States over nearly 250 years, all based on the principles that are articulated in the 56 words of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, it just is an amazing uh, 
feat and I think really an amazing outcome that is very inspiring once people start to understand what it actually means in the context of that time. Well, and I think it was Maggie Thatcher that said this, that America is the only country in the history of mankind that was founded on an idea. And uh, when I heard that, it just kind of, I had to stop and think about that. That is what is so unique about us, this whole American idea. What do you think, Stan? Well, absolutely. And that is... um what the declaration is all about is ideas they're putting forth new truths the, the first line uh, is we hold these truths to be self-evident the implication there is there's another set of truths these truths mean there's a new set of truths we're going to present so therefore there has to be another set of truths so the new ideas that they put forth are the following words that most people are familiar with But it starts with, yes, we're pronouncing new ideas, and we're going to set up a society and a new civilization based on these ideas. Well, and these truths that are self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that we are endowed by our Creator with these certain unalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I mean, just those words were were revolutionary. I think people need to understand that when when these gentlemen were were, uh, crafting these words that they could hear the cannons down the river, uh, the British cannons. This was the most powerful um, country on the face of the earth at the, at the time, and they could hear the cannons down the river while they're crafting these words. I mean, think about the courage of these guys, Stan. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they'd been at war for over a year um, and lost most every battle. Uh, George Washington, commander-in-chief, was struggling mightily. But most people don't realize we started the war in 1775, and here we are a year plus in uh, July of 1776, pledging our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honors to what looked like a lost cause. No place around the world, no other country around the world thought we were ever going to win the war. Most Americans never thought we were going to win the war. And here these guys are coming up with a declaration that is... uh, creating an independent new nation kind of out of whole cloth based on a whole new set of ideas. Pretty pretty interesting, pretty fascinating well, it ideas, is, too. It is pretty interesting, and, and there's the quote from Ben Franklin that uh, we must hang together or we'll all be hung sec- separately. If they would have been caught, uh, they would have uh, hung for sure. And um, I, I just address this this narrative that a number of our young people have heard that, oh, the Declaration and the Constitution was just written by a bunch of old, rich, white guys that were looking out for their best interests. How would you address that, Stan? Well, uh, I think the, the the facts about what happened to the founders, if you, if you research the history of the founders, uh, they, they weren't really then set up um, immediately, even after the war. Most of them died very young. Most of them were all fugitives running for their lives. Their fortunes had been removed because once they made the declaration, and prior to that even, the economy was in shambles because we had an economy based on British economics, and we were no longer part of the British. We were at war with the British. So the the characterization that this was set up for their best interest uh, is really not a correct characterization, and I think if you research these words. I always tell people, so what would happen 
if the words all men are created equal were not written down, the Americans did not win the war and the Americans did not set up a system based on all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Nothing uh, would have changed. Every society in the world would remain a ruler-subject society as opposed to a liberty-oriented society, which is what uh, we have now with self-governing as opposed to rulers governing. Well, and the other thing, as you mentioned, I hadn't thought about it until how you mentioned that. What would have happened if we had never come to be? And at that particular point in time, slavery was prevalent throughout the world. And, and so the fact that these these guys, you know, would, would say these words that all men are created equal and, and really within, what, 70, 70 to 80 years later, go and, and fight the Civil War to make sure that that those words were true, that uh, all men are created equal. I mean, it is astonishing what the uh, what the founders did. But Stan Everett, this is absolutely fascinating. You are the founder of the Legacy Project. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Declaration of Independence. We'll be right back. It's baseball season, and Hooters is the spot to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. Love their nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items, such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. So you can dine in or you can get food to go delivered to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Want a chance to ride in a real World War II warbird? Go to AmeriChicks.com and sign up for the July 9th drawing. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. We have on the line with us Dan Everett. He is the founder of the Legacy Project. Uh, it's a, a project that brings community leaders together to talk about the ideas of America. And uh, it all began with the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so, Stan Everett, let's let's talk about the four truths. You say there's four truths in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, what's the first one? Well, as we just discussed, all men are created equal. So this is a truth. And when they're talking about all men, uh, you've got to understand that these 
56 men that are in the convention or in the in the declaration conference are representing uh, ideas, not necessarily their constituents. Uh, many of these people came to this declaration conference not as elected or uh, um, appointed officials. They just came because they felt like they needed to be a part of this movement. So they're not just talking about themselves. They're really talking about men in the universal form. Which is, man, which is mankind, right? Man, so yeah, men, and, and women, the, the, the whole works, correct. right? And they capitalized men in the document, which then implies that it's talking about mankind, humanity. Got it. And that's what they were looking at. The created equal, first of all, you've got a theological component here. A creator is where your equality comes from. And this is so contrary to what the social status was at their, at their time and in their country, where you had a king, you had a church, you had lords and earls and dukes and, and others that were part of the crown and the parliament, and there was no equality. Equality was determined by privilege you were receiving from the crown. And so now you have this all men are created equal. It's really shattering the social structure that was familiar to everyone. Wow. Okay, so so then do we go to the the next truth, or is there yeah. more on that one? No, I think that uh, the next truth is, number two, they are endowed, again, by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Unalienable means inherent. It's not transferable. You're born, you're conceived with these rights. Again, these rights are then endowed or they're gifted, bestowed by the creator to individuals. So they're not group rights, they're not privileges as derived from the crown or the king. These are creator-endowed rights. So they're replacing the king as the sovereign with God as the sovereign, the creator, which to me is a, a fascinating uh, exercise in how you reshape society into a more a Protestant Christian theological base, but not necessarily a theocracy because of the way Protestant Christian mentality at this time would be thinking of a personal relationship with, uh, with God. All of this theology comes from the great awakening movement of the uh, mid-1700s that was combined with the Enlightenment era, which is the philosophical movement that occurred at the same time. So there's a lot of philosophy in these words. There's a lot of theology in these words. Mm -hmm. But so far, we haven't even touched on ideology or government and man. Okay, Stan, I, I, you just triggered, you triggered me, okay? You, you just made me okay. think of something here. And that is, you know, there's all this discussion about the fact that America was founded on, on a faith in God, okay? And... When we're talking about God the Creator, they're saying that uh, we were the God the Creator. Many of the other theologies out there, God is not the Creator. So that is why this goes back to the Judeo-Christian worldview is because 
God is the creator. They acknowledge that and that God, the creator, gives those rights. And uh, I don't know if that's making sense to to you right Mm -hmm. now, but that is not anything I had actually really thought about is that it is the God of creation that they were talking about. It's not all these other things that sometimes people are saying in this uh, kind of postmodern society. Correct. No, this was a very... uh real, you'd call it evangelical Christianity today. It's really kind of the the reason the pilgrims came to the United States was for religious freedom, so that they didn't have to be subjects of the crown and the church. They could worship in their own way. They permeated uh, the entire seaboard and all of the 13 colonies. This religious freedom thing was a very critical component to how the Americans looked at themselves. And so the founders take that cultural background and that, that baseline of worldview, and they translate it into this all, they're endowed by a creator with rights. And so you're accountable to the creator. You're no longer necessarily accountable to the king, because the creator is a greater and more powerful sovereign than the king would ever be. So it's an interesting way of putting the uh, juxtaposition of political power out of the the ideological realm and into the theological realm. That is absolutely fascinating. Okay, so endowed by our creator, so that that is the second truth then, right? Mm -hmm. You said all men are created equal is number one, endowed by a creator with these rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Okay, so the, oh, go the ahead. Third truths are the the liber- life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay. So those words are not just you can't look at them in today's context. Life wasn't uh, strictly the the living and breathing life. When they're talking about here is the right of civil rights. So who you associate with, how you speak. Uh, what you want to do with your life, how you want to organize your family. These are the civil rights that uh, were granted and were discussed in the context of this word life. Liberty is probably the most important thing that is in the Declaration because they set up a liberty-oriented society. Most people think of liberty synonymous with freedom, but really freedom was a very... uh, infrequently used word in the context of this this era, 1776. Liberty was a word that had a different meaning than freedom. And if you have time, I'll walk through what I would define liberty as. Yes, let's talk about that. Okay. There's two two ways of defining it. One's theological and one's philosophical. And there are five components. I use a star as a way to illustrate these different definitions. So philosophically... Liberty is individual freedom on the top of the star. The next leg of the star is restrained. Individual freedom always has to be restrained. In the world they lived in, it was restrained by the highest human power of the king and the crown. In the way liberty is defined at that era, individual freedom is now restrained by self-control or self-government. But you can't just have everybody do what they want, how they want, and when they want and define what self-control is, so you have to have self-control has to be grounded on principles. So individual freedom restrained by self-control that is grounded on principles is a philosophical definition of liberty. 
in addition, you have a theological, because we had two movements, you remember, you got the Great Awakening, which is theological, and then you have the Enlightenment, which is philosophical. So theological, you can take that same concept, and you can, instead of individual freedom, you would take free will. Biblical term, talking about man has the choice of good or evil to make those choices. With that, free will is directed toward virtue, and virtue would be righteousness, the fruit of the spirit, uh, aspects of doing the right thing, what ought to be done. But virtue is then defined in their world by their faith. So theologically, liberty is free will directed towards virtue, defined by faith. And that's what they were talking about when they talked about life, the civil rights, liberty, kind of the, the foundation of all of this, that your freedom has to be coupled with responsibility for this to be effective and for self-government to happen. Then you have uh, the pursuit of property that is typically called today the pursuit of happiness. This is where the slavery debate came very, very heated in the conference. Uh, it was originally written as the pursuit of property, which is kind of copying John Locke from the, the uh, Enlightenment era uh, as how he would express it. It became so contentious because the Northeasterners and the New Englanders were opposed to putting property in here because it would imply that they're supporting slavery. Now we were into policy as opposed to ideas and they didn't want to get into policy. So they struck that property out and they replaced it with happiness. But if you look at happiness in the context of economic terms as opposed to self-gratification, then it's a completely different context. So entrepreneurialism, creativity, your determination as to how prosperous you want to be, how generous you want to be, those are economic happiness. And those are determined as a right now. And the, uh, the other obvious part of this is it's the pursuit of happiness or pursuit of economic prosperity. It's not a right that's granted and given to you. You have to pursue it, which implies that all of these rights require action. Well, it, it, this is absolutely fascinating. I, I wonder why we're not teaching this in our schools right now, uh, Stan Everett. Well, it would be uh, pretty threatening to um, power structures. So th these become self-empowerment. These become, okay, my alliance is with my creator. I'm not part of a social construct. Now, I have to recognize the value of organizing society through government, which is the next truth, but I think these philosophical and theological concepts that I'm talking about have been abandoned because they empower the individual as opposed to uh, put them into herds, and in today's world, we're kind of working a herd mentality with uh, the politically divisive approach to how we organize our government. 
Well, and and I I submit to you, we need to come back and become united. And uh, there's been so much work over the last 50 years or whatever to try to put people into different groups, different herds, if you will, so that people can identify with the herd instead of actually realizing that there is this great value of the individual and uh, this, as you mentioned, the, the self-empowerment. And we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but you've done such a beautiful job with the star regarding the individual freedom. Hopefully I have it right. Uh, restraint, which is self-control, with, um, based on principles, realizing that we have free will, free will but uh, we need to to move towards virtue, which is defined by our faith. Did I get that pretty well? Did I write that down correctly? Yeah, okay, yeah. great. Good job. And a friend of mine has, has uh, very simply said that liberty is the responsible exercise of freedom. Uh, and uh, I think that that, you know, that goes to your star as well. So Stan Everett, this is absolutely fascinating. We're talking about the Declaration of Independence. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some more. Hey, Jason McBride, we're talking about the Declaration of Independence today, and you always come up with something that I haven't thought of. What is on uh, your mind today? Well, I think uh, there's some interesting things uh, that maybe are not well known about the Declaration of Independence. One thing is that once the Congress approved the actual Declaration document on July 4th, they ordered that it got sent to a printer named John Dunlap, and he printed about 200 copies, of, and they called it the Dunlap Broadside. So there were 200 copies with John Hancock's name printed at the bottom, and they say today that only about 26 uh, copies of that document remain. Now, a lot of people, of course, like me, would say, well, how much is one of those worth, and would it be a good investment? Well, strangely enough, back in 1989, Kim, in Adamstown, Pennsylvania, someone bought a copy, probably at a garage sale or a yard sale. It was tucked behind an old picture in a picture frame that they bought for $4.00. And that version of the Declaration eventually was acquired by uh, Norman Lear, the TV producer, and he paid $8.1 million for it. Oh, man, that is amazing. Now, don't forget the capital uh, gains tax on collectibles is 28%. Wow. So that was a pretty good gain from $4 to $8.1 million. Yeah, I take that. That's for sure. Yeah, I'd like to have that in my retirement plan. Yeah, me too. Me too. And one other thing that uh, people may find interesting is that uh, that the Constitution and the Declaration documents were packed up about two weeks after Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, concerns about an attack. They were right. given a military escort and then taken to Fort Knox in Kentucky, and they stayed there for several years during the war. Well, we need to protect the uh, Constitution and the Declaration like that today. You know it? <laughs> well, we, we need to protect it from other types of attacks today, don't we? I mean, that's for sure. That's for sure. Jason McBride, thank you so much. Wishing you a really happy Independence Day tomorrow. And uh, for more information about Jason, go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Happy 4th, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Be safe. Don't blow your hand off tomorrow, Jim. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Jason. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. 
As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. My country tis of the sweet land of Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. What a fascinating, fascinating conversation that we're having right now with Stan Everett. He is the founder of the Legacy Project, which is a, a project. Is it only in northern Colorado, Stan? Yes, it's Fort Collins, Greeley, Loveland. We have some guys that come down from Denver. Longmont, uh, but it's primarily just in the northern Colorado area. Okay, and uh, it's uh, bringing community leaders together to, to talk about the big ideas of, of America. So it's fascinating. We're going through the Declaration of Independence. And Stan, you said that there are four truths. We've gone through the first three. Again, would you highlight those first three truths for us? Yeah. All men are created equal. Very radical few words, but very radical. Number two is they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And number three is among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So interestingly, this is a declaration of independence. So this is a document talking about the political separation of our nation from our mother country. Nothing that has been said so far is political. These are universal truths that are being described and defined by the founders. So their, their use of establishing principles without going into the political realm is very fascinating, very interesting to me as to the methodology that they're using here. And it really is a good way for us to look at life, in my view, if we live a life based on principles before we get mired in and distracted by the particulars, then our life will be a stronger and better life, and we will be a better person in the society. But it's just, you compare this to the French Revolution or the more recent revolutions, the Arab Spring or the Cuban Revolution, these were revolutions of vengeance and hate and all sorts of things. The American Revolution is, again, a revolution of ideas and put forth in a way that really isn't threatening it's really a way of just establishing a new paradigm of thinking as to how civilization ought to operate. Wow. Okay. So, uh, again, and the truths are all men are created equal, endowed by their creator of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Let's go to the fourth truth then. Sure. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now we're into ideology. So... How are we then supposed to organize ourselves as a new nation? How are we going to organize ourselves? 
to secure these rights. So the first thing we are going to do, the highest priority of our new government, once we get to that potential of winning the war and setting something up, we are now going to be securing rights. We're not going to be providing rights. It's a protection government thesis as opposed to a providing government thesis. Interesting way of flipping the thing completely upside down. So to secure rights, governments are instituted among men, and these governments are deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And this is so radical in the human history of ruler-subject societies. There's never been another people-oriented, liberty-oriented government set up that these guys are talking about in, in just this one sentence. So that's how we're supposed to set up the government. I'm not sure in today's contemporary political world if securing the individual rights that have been endowed to me by God are necessarily the priorities of our political class. <laughs> well, that's an understatement, Stan Everett, that's for sure. <laughs> now, I, I, sh I shared this at Vino and Veritas, and, and so this was an aha for me, so I guess I'm a little late to the party on this. I've always really kind of focused on the American idea, the value of the individual, and, uh, you know, that the individual can go after their hopes and dreams, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But... Really, an, another big aha for me, uh, Vino and Veritas, the study of the Federalist Papers, is that that's actually more a byproduct of protecting the rights. And that is what they went to fight for, was these rights. And that is what they then put into the Constitution to make sure to secure those rights. And I'm almost embarrassed to say that it's taken me all these years to figure that out. Well, don't be embarrassed. Uh, you're not alone, I guess. Um, everybody that goes through our program has these same aha moments and wonders, well, why didn't I learn this in eighth grade? Well, in eighth grade, you can't understand philosophy, theology, ideology. I've had history majors go through the program with master's degree in colonial history studies, colonial America studies, and they said, I never understood what we were about until we go through the program. I didn't understand liberty was our cause, and then the ordering of these principles was the Constitution and our free market economy. So how we order these ideas is what we ended up with from a Constitution, and the Federalist Papers were basically just a promotion of how we were going to order these ideas um, in the future. And then the economy is another important part of that. And most people don't realize that the economy, as you might know, is based on Adam Smith's The um, Wealth of Nations book mm -hmm. that was written. The Invisible Hand, that book right? Was, mm -hmm. Yeah, that book was published in April of 1776. Our Declaration of Independence was put forth July of 1776. I don't think it's a coincidence. Wow. Okay, okay. You know, and, and just, I think you, you kind of hit on this, but there are those that say that there is no connection between the Declaration and the Constitution. What do you say to people that, that say that? Well, uh, do you know the preamble to the Constitution? Yes. By heart? Not. Inside <laughs> it? Uh, probably well, not. I should. <laughs> well, it starts with we the people. And it ends with, well, it kind of lists, you know, the... Uh, the perfect uh, union, established justice. Per right. 
and ends with the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. The blessings of liberty are the, the declaration. It's the principles of the declaration. The blessings come from the Creator. I mean, the word blessings is a, it's not a human relationship word. It's a blessings from God is how this word is derived. Right. So the preamble to the Constitution basically is saying we're taking these principles, the blessings of liberty, and we're then going to order those into a system that secures the rights of the people, which is what that fourth truth is all about. So it may not be as overt, but it is it is there. And then the Bill of Rights, which the Constitution wouldn't have existed because Virginia would never have voted for it if the Bill of Rights were not promised directly and specifically by George Washington that he would make sure that those were included once Congress convened and the amendments could then be put into the the Constitution. But without the Bill of Rights, which now talks about government limitations on religion, association, speech, uh, the right to bear arms, to protect yourself, these are the civil rights of life. It talks about property in the Fifth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, so we've got the pursuit of happiness. And it talks about liberty. You know, you can't go to court without a jury of your peers. You can't have soldiers headquartered into your house. So uh, the Bill of Rights really was taking a lot of these uh, grievances uh, from the Declaration of Independence and putting them in writing and then inserting them into the Constitution. So to say there is no connection between the the Declaration and the Constitution is denying history. Well, your explanation is absolutely uh, beautiful on that. Uh, So what more would you say about government then? Anything else? Well, the next uh, phrase here in in the Declaration talks about, and if the government isn't doing this, then it's our duty to overthrow it. <laughs> so, it's it's a uh, uh, that whenever here, let me read it for you. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, which is the securing of individual rights, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and their happiness, their civil rights and their economic rights. Wow. So these guys are not saying, okay, well, here's a bunch of ideas. We're not going to do anything about it. No, they're saying each generation, in order to sustain liberty, has the responsibility and has the uh, ability to then change the form of government to follow what we have put down as the principles that are the foundation of our nation. Well, you know, and Stan Everett, I I think that you mentioned every generation, so it is our time now to be engaging in this battle of ideas. And, you know, words are are so important. And, you know, basically Ronald Reagan uh, brought down the Berlin Wall, not with weapons, but with with words and ideas. And that is why the work that you are doing with um, the Legacy Project is so important because it empowers people to have conversations with their friends and their family and their their neighbors about these ideas because these ideas are worth uh, protecting for sure. Yeah, and I think that's... My history uh, has been very engaged in political world. My business being a developer, it's no longer putting in streets. It's going to 
planning commissions and town boards in order to get approval. So it's a political exercise as opposed to a, you know, uh, construction exercise, which is what it used to be. But anyway, I think um, the the political realm is an important place to be, but the movement to affect change has to come from the bottom and then affect the representatives that are going to these different uh, offices of local to national political realms. So I've shifted my emphasis away from supporting campaigns and parties, etc., and now trying to change the hearts and minds of people in our community to make our community better, make these people better, or help make them better. At the same time, they will then vote better, they will understand politics better, and they will have a more uh, positive effect on the political scenario than just sitting on the sideline and watching television commercials. Well, and you know what? That's why I'm doing the show as well, Stan, is because uh, politics is downstream from education, and education is mm-hmm. downstream from culture. And uh, and so that's where the battle of ideas is really occurring right now. And so I, like you, you know, we need to, to talk about these big ideas so that people understand them. And then, uh, again, they can be engaging with their in, – in civil, reasonable conversations about these ideas if they know what they're talking about there's no reason to be yelling at each other because uh, the ideas uh, the ideas win when we talk about life liberty pursuit of happiness the declaration and that's why i think there's been such an effort to stifle the conversations about these beautiful documents of our founding the declaration of independence the constitution and the federalist papers yeah well and i think uh, I, I agree with that entirely um part of what we teach in our program is communication skills so how do these guys communicate? Here's an example. How do we then go out and communicate to be effective in persuading people to at least listen um, and, and make sure that we're not just pointing fingers at somebody and yelling at them, making them feel like, well, you're right, I'm wrong, I don't even want to be around you. And so many uh, of our participants have done a very excellent job of revising their communication styles and how they would then uh, be more persuasive in articulating these items and these principles and showing then how we can agree on things because these are principles that I don't think you'll find too many people disagreeing with. Okay, Stan, fellow, hold that yeah. thought. Let's go to break. When we come back, this is where okay. the battle is. And so uh, let's go to break. We'll come back for our final segment. Fascinating discussion with Stan Everett uh, regarding the Declaration of Independence. We'll be right back. Hey, have you ever wanted to ride in a real World War II warplane? Oh my gosh, we have a very exciting giveaway for you. The Collings Foundation is bringing their Wings of Freedom World War II Warbirds to the Northern Colorado Regional Airport July 12th, 13th, and 14th. You can visit a World War II camp complete with a tank, jeeps, and all kinds of things to go through. But here's the most exciting part. One lucky listener will get a ride on one of the World War II Warbirds. If you're 18 years or older, go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up for the July 9th drawing. Are you feeling lucky? Again, go to americhicks.com and sign up. It will be quite an adventure. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. 
Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, June 28th through Thursday, July 4th, features will include Toy Story 4, Godzilla, and Aladdin. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. This is my country, land of my birth. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And what a conversation we are having with Stan Everett. He is the founder of the Legacy Project, which is a, a project that is, is bringing community leaders together in northern Colorado to talk about these big ideas of the American idea. So, Stan, the time is going way too quickly. When we went to break, you had just mentioned that you uh, are helping these leaders with their communication skills. That is where the battle is. So explain, explain a little bit more about that. Well, in our lessons, uh, we have two ground rules, no political conversation and no religious conversation. So once we start into these lessons, we typically have somebody who wants to bring in contemporary issues, politicians, you know, things that are in the news today. And the leader will shut that down and say, that's not what we're talking about. The context of our conversation is in the past. It's on the documents. It's on the principles. You want to argue about particulars. We're here to talk about principles. So that starts to permeate the whole crowd or the whole group, and that group then begins to talk to one another in civil and constructive ways. And when they leave the lesson, then they go out into the community and they talk to others in civil and constructive ways as opposed to just the coffee shop talk that we all experience. So it starts to transform the way that they think, the way that they communicate, how they communicate, and they start to understand persuasion is an art, and it's not just a finger in the face. Which that's never effective. <laughs> you know? No, no. And maybe you feel better, but, you know, the guy isn't going to listen to anything. I, I don't know. In my life, uh, many, many, many years, people would say, Stan, you know, what you said is absolutely right, but what you, the way you said it, I don't want to listen to it. So I had to train myself in order to be a better persuader and a better communicator to figure out how to say what I considered to be the right side of an argument and how to say it becomes more important than the argument itself. Well, and one of the, the, I think, ways to start that is to, first of all, of all you have to understand the ideas and be yeah. able to articulate it to yourself before you can calmly and reasonably articulate those to other people as well. So, uh, gosh, that, that, that is very exciting. So we're just about out of time. We have a few minutes left. And you have put together this booklet, 56 Words, The Declaration of Independence, Discovering and Defining Liberty. And, of course, there were 56 signers to the Declaration. Fascinating. So uh, talk a little bit about this 56 words. 
Well, it's just a booklet of, uh, of a portion of the lesson that we have in the first session of the Legacy Project. We study the Declaration. We study the context before the Declaration, which is critically important to understand why this document came about. What preceded the 1776, not just a few years before, but for 200 years before. And then we study all of the, uh, the, the segments of the Declaration itself. This is just a portion of that. But these are the principles, and these are the words that really set the tone for the transformation of civilization. These new principles, these new truths, really are the most important part. Then, if you get an understanding of this, you can then really understand the Constitution, you can understand the Bill of Rights, you can understand our economic system, you can have a really good understanding of how our culture in America is actually unique and distinct from other cultures around the world. That way you can persuade people, because now, like you just described, they're armed with not only the information, but the knowledge and the wisdom of what this is all about. And it doesn't have to be long and complicated. Uh, when we look at legislation, uh, I'm not going to get political, but uh, you could even just go down and take a look at the legislation that was proposed down at the Colorado State Legislature. And just a note on that, Stan, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to actually read and understand you know, the bills as they're proposed. And it's actually been really empowering that I can have a much more reasonable conversation if I've actually read the legislation and understand what's in there. Uh, and uh, it's not above our pay grade, but my, my point is, is many of those bills were like 36 pages long. And here we've got 56, world, 56 words that changed the course of human history. I find that absolutely, uh, it's fascinating to me. Stan, uh, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, uh, in response to legislation, I would go back to Thomas Sowell's comment truth is generally quite simple. Evading the truth requires complexity. <laughs> and that to me is an axiom of truth in itself. Uh, and so what we find is legislators who think that their whole role in the world is to legislate, but not to necessarily govern. And what we send them for is to help govern the system as it exists, not to change the system or to evade the system, which is what they typically do. So I seek out politicians that are going to follow the truth and not get too distracted by particulars as well as just by complexity. And I think that's what we need to do is, is send people to represent us that understand those basic tenets and also understand these basic principles. Well, and government is supposed to be limited. That was the, the beauty of, of uh, the Constitution, was to mm -hmm. limit government so that we could protect these individual rights so that everyday people can go after their life, their liberty, and their pursuit of happiness. It is absolutely um, fascinating. And again, the Constitution isn't that long either. I mean, you, you put the whole idea of a country, uh, of a Constitution, and that's not that many words either. So, you know, it's kind of a smell test. If there is a lot of words, then just uh, in legislation, probably just say no on that, just on that alone, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, if it's so complex that it can't even be understandable, think about the Affordable Care Health Act, you know, that's that's insanity. But yeah, and like I think, three thousand pages, and then yeah. all the rules and regulations that came in behind it. It is an insanity. But every country in the world, throughout history, most of them have constitutions. So the constitution, without these principles, 
is irrelevant in my mind. You can spend all day long ordering a society, but unless you have the principles that you're ordering the society on, then the Constitution really doesn't work. So it's a, it's a republic is the form of our government. Rule of law is kind of what defines a republic. But it's a constitutional republic based on the principles of the Declaration. Wow. Okay. Hey, uh, Stan Everett, first of all, thank you. This is absolutely fascinating, and it is the legacy project uh, that you have founded. Uh, what would be the final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I think it's just live a life on principles. But before you say you're going to do that, then you better figure out what your principles are. Now, the founders did that. That's the legacy that we live in today, is the the legacy of the founding of our nation, which everybody's experiencing and hopefully feeling the blessings of liberty. But I think that can apply to you individually. It can apply to you at business. It can apply to you at family. It can apply apply at friends, anybody. And I think that's really what we're trying to accomplish here is to recognize that principles are really the foundation of a better life. Well, and principles, you know, it, as, as you mentioned, that, that for, uh, liberty, uh, you had, uh, had the star with the five, five things here, and that was individual freedom with restraint, self-control principles, free will that is, is with virtue, which is defined by faith. So in order to have an ordered life, in order to have an ordered country, we need to be able to to go to these principles, to discipline ourselves. When we talk about local government, uh, I've realized that the most local government is each of us personally, and we need to get that local government in order before we can go up the up the ladder to make sure that we are making laws on, uh, you know, at the count or at the local, you know, county and state, sure. and then uh, national level. Right. No, you're right, and I think that's um, that's the movement that is a revival of the American spirit. And you're in existence uh, to do what you're doing in order to fulfill that. I'm in existence in order to fulfill that. We have millions of brothers and sisters around this country that are doing the same thing, which brings me to be an optimist as opposed to a pessimist. I sat in the coffee shop and complained for years as a pessimist. The whole thing's going to hell. I came out of that and said, I am not a pessimist. When I meet with these younger people, the millennials in particular, and they go through this and they are transformed into people that are advocates for American exceptionalism, I am turned into an optimist every day that I meet with them. Uh, Stan Everett, that is absolutely beautiful. So Stan Everett, that is the Legacy Project. Uh, the email is legacyproject at youarealegacy.com, youarealegacy.com. Stan Everett, thank you so much and wishing you a very happy Independence Day. Well, thank you, Kim, and uh, same to you. Okay. Go shoot off some fireworks. You got it. Thanks so much. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay. And our quote for today is from the Declaration of Independence. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. And I-